Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. I am finally here with Tiffany Lanier and I am super excited about this interview because I've been wanting to interview you for so long and you're always so darn busy and I know you still are, but thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. I really do appreciate it. Of course, it's a pleasure. We have another uh, Minnesota girl here, backgrounds where we're, where we're from, but you obviously have a different path. Maybe that's a good place to start if you want to just kind of talk about how you, you made your way down here. Yeah, well, and I guess to go back even a little bit farther, I was born in Texas and brought up in southeastern Minnesota until I was around eight. When my dad moved to New York, he was an IBMer, okay. lifetime IBMer. So we moved to New York, and my mom stayed in Minnesota. So I was back and forth about every two to three years. Oh, wow. So I wasn't necessarily brought up in a very, uh, like, I was born and raised in the same place. I moved around okay. a lot. I learned how to make friends very quickly. You know, socially, uh, you, you had to. You know, and I also learned how to pack real quick and unpack and then pack again and unpack. (laughs) So, you know, that's where I was. I was 28 working at the Mayo Clinic and IT. I went to college for computer programming and then for business and landed a job at Mayo Clinic. And it was awesome because I got my own office. I worked in one of the most... I don't know. To me, it was like such a great office building with so many smart people in it. I worked in contracts management. Um, I did project management for them. And I, I really landed myself in a great place. I got good money. I bought my house. I bought a brand new car. I had my son. So when I had my son, I was 20, uh, essentially a single mom, and went to school because of him you know, wanted a better life because of him. So here we were, eight years old. We were in a small town, Minnesota, working at the Mayo Clinic, having everything that I wanted, except I wasn't happy. Wow. You know, I I did everything I was supposed to, other than find the husband, which never really was, you know, dating is fine, but commitment to somebody is rough. Maybe because I moved around so much, I don't know. And... I just wasn't, I wasn't happy, but I didn't know what I was missing. So sometimes it would be like, oh, you're, you're missing a man. So go find a husband and, and stuff. Oh, okay. So I start dating, online dating, and that was disastrous. And, <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> yeah. and uh, I was part of a group of three friends that went to high school together. And even though I had moved back to New Jersey in my senior year of high school, uh, and then came back to Minnesota. It was a very long story. But the uh, Dana and Chris were my high school friends. 
from the day that I moved to that town in ninth grade. And Dana was getting married. And at that time, because I had an office and there was a printer and lots of office equipment that I could use, sorry, Mail Clinic, I actually did do that on my work hours. That was um, a long time ago. <laughs> that was a long, long time ago, almost 20 years ago. And so I was helping my friends plan their weddings. And so when Dana wanted to get married somewhere that wasn't at home, uh, she didn't want a church wedding. She didn't want a barn wedding. She wanted a destination wedding. And none of us really knew anything about that. Meanwhile, uh, our other friend, Chris, had come to Cancun on her graduation trip with her parents, and they came to Isla Mujeres on a day trip. And Chris said, hey, why don't you get married on this little island in Cancun I went to on my graduation trip, and it's fantastic, it's wonderful, you'll love it. So we're looking at pictures, and that day that she came, it was a gloomy day, it was raining that day, and I'm like, man, this isn't, let's go to Fiji, what are you talking about? Mexican island there's got to be like donkeys and dirty and uh, I didn't know so I tried to talk her into going to Fiji it was too expensive I bet um, and luckily and it's such a stupid story but the manager of our local grocery store's wife was a travel agent and she talked us into going to Isla Mujeres and staying at Perla del Caribe. And it was only $1,000 per person for round trip tickets and seven nights or six, six nights, seven days at Perla del Caribe. And at the time, Perla del Caribe uh, was very run down, but the pictures looked amazing. <laughs> right. <laughs> seen that so, before. <laughs> yeah. So 19 of us came down wow. to get her married. And essentially, I planned her wedding. I'd never been to Mexico. I had not taken any Spanish classes other than high school. And there was a message board at the time that Julie had ran. And I was a very, very active person on that message board. And somehow, these folks did all the legwork for me. They would come down to Isla Mujeres, and uh, some of them would go and find me a florist or the bakery or all of these other services that I needed to plan this wedding, but I couldn't be here to do it. So right. they did it for me. And it was amazing because the amount of information they got and the phone numbers, because nobody had websites back then. I was going to say that was kind of pre, really pre-internet. Um, I mean, oh, it yeah. was around, but not like, like now. Yeah. Oh, no. I mean, even getting a hold of them on the phone and then trying to communicate, it was so... Oh my God. Thank God for crowdsourcing before crowdsourcing was a thing, really. Like they planned the wedding. It was amazing. We came down here and I'd never been to Mexico before. And I, the minute we hit land, like the dock, I knew that this island was something. There was some sort of a magnetic pull. <laughs> I was here with 18 other people including my best friend and her fiance and all of her family and a bunch of friends. And I don't know. I just, I just, I, I felt so comfortable and so at home on this Island and I had never been here, but there was something I just couldn't put my finger on, but it was something that I was like, Oh, I love it here. Um, uh, not the first time I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> 
right? Yeah, I guess in tune with the vibe of the island, I guess, or or something. But yeah, it was fantastic. And while I was here for her wedding, planning her wedding, uh, a weird side thing is that her, the bride's oldest brother was my first boyfriend, my first love, right? And he was here with his girlfriend, who wasn't me, right? Right. So it was super uncomfortable I to be imagine. here. Yeah. In this uh, vacation, getting his sister married, my best friend, I'm the maid of honor. And I totally uncomfortable, totally uncomfortable. So I didn't hang out with them. Honestly, I didn't hang out with them right. uh, during that whole time. I went out and met some friends that I met on that message board at the bar. The minute we got to town, I put my stuff down in the hotel room and went to Playa Sol mm-hmm. and met up with some people that I met online on the message board. And I hung out with them the entire time because it was so uncomfortable to hang out with my ex-boyfriend right. <laughs> and his girlfriend, now wife, you know. Sure. It was one of those things where if that didn't happen, I would not have probably gone and hung out with these other people as much, right? Right. But when I went and hung out with these other people, I found out that number one, you can be American and live outside of your own country. I had no idea. (laughs) That like blew my mind. I met people that own restaurants, cafes, the bookstore. They were American and they were young. They were my age and they lived here. What? You can do that? I mean, it's it's funny to hear you say that because I think Tiffany still, still today People don't realize that. I mean, oh, yeah. 20 years later, it's it's astounding. I'm sure you hear it too. Like, what yeah. you own property? Oh, you can own property here, and you know, we get you these crazy, crazy questions. Yeah, yeah. It, is, it, it blows your mind, and it's amazing to me. So that was kind of like a mind bender all by itself, right? So on that vacation, I met these people. They were great. I found out you could live outside of your own country cool. You can live on this island. That's weird. So we got her married at Playa Sol and it was beautiful. It worked out great. We all went home. And a year later, I came back down to the island to meet up with these people that I had hung out with that whole week. Right. So they invited me to come back down. That was the first time I ever took a trip by myself. So that was the first time I got on a, well, I had gotten on a plane before by myself because I was going back and forth to my parents from right. Minnesota to New York, but not on a vacation by myself, you know? Right. So that was kind of a fun thing. And while I was here during that particular trip was when I decided to move here. That's when I was able to talk more to people that owned their businesses here and kind of pick their brain a little bit and see what's possible. And it was definitely... <laughs> In the middle of the night, it was probably three o'clock in the morning after too many margaritas and uh, with my friends and everything else, it was a full moon and I was walking down the beach and it just, it plopped into my head. You have to move here. It was like, it was such a, 
you have to move here. There was no question, should I move here? What's the decision? What's my choice? That was not it. It was, you're moving here. Wow. And that's it. That's, that's it. So when I came, I went home, I wrote my letter of resignation and gave them six months and said, I'm leaving. I'm quitting. And they thought I was crazy. Well, first I asked for, I said, can I take four months off? Can I take four months off and you can hire a temp service to do my job? I'll train them in and then I'll come back and everything. They're like, are you crazy? No, you can't do that. No. Then I quit. And I did. So October 15th, right after 9-11 happened, I packed up my eight-year-old son and our dog, Lucky, and we moved here. And the plan was to come here for four months. That was the plan, not to move here forever. It was just a four-month plan. I rented my house at the time. I owned my house. I rented the upstairs for um, some of my brother's friends rented it in order to pay the rent or the, the mortgage. And, and that was that. I came here for four months. I found the house that I'm currently living in to rent. I loved it. I kept the house year round. Um, but I had quit my job. I had no money. <laughs> when I left the Mayo Clinic, they gave me a check for $5,000. Like, here, go invest this, you know, whatever. But I spent it, of course, because that's what I lived on. And I started a wedding planning business because I just did my best friend's wedding. And so I already knew the bakery. I already knew, you know, the florals and all these things that had to go along with it and getting legally married down here as well. So that's what it was. The wedding business started that way for four months. I wasn't even sure. I think that first year I did maybe two weddings and I don't think I made any money off of it because <laughs> every wedding that I did, I screwed up something really major. Oh no. And my philosophy is I, I only, I charge what I believe is right, whatever. And then on the day of, of course, there's all these things that you don't think of because I, I had only done one wedding down here right. before. And everyone else had helped you put it all together, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure I paid money out of my pocket for those weddings for just mistakes that I had made along the way. I thought that they had chairs. They don't have chairs. I have to rent chairs. I have to pay this guy to move the chairs. And, you know, there's no lights. Oh, I have to find lights. Where, where in the hell are the lights? It was, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy those first even 10 weddings um, I was so dumb. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Well, it sounds like you're kind of fearless too. I mean, you just didn't, you know, didn't, didn't go. What well, if, what if you just did it? Huh? Yeah. Well, you have to, people hired you to do a job. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do the job and do it correctly. Like there is part of it. I do have a perfectionist mindset. So I needed it to be exactly what I envisioned, exactly what they paid for me to do. And if it's not exactly like I felt like such a failure for like a month because one of my cakes, they wanted a trace leche. The bakery said, I can't do a three-tiered trace leche cake because it's too watery. Well, make it work because I already told her you could do it. Oh, no. And so figure it out. So here's this trace leche in 90-degree weather. It was dripping off the table. Like 
Milk was dripping off the table onto the sand. And by the time they caught it, it was falling apart so bad. They just touched the table and the whole thing fell over. <laughs> just slid right off the table. <laughs> and thankfully, they were so nice. And they're like, everybody grab a fork and just dig in whatever was on the table. It was a free-for-all. And they were great about it. But I'm like, oh, my God, I'm such a failure. Mortified. <laughs> I failed. I suck at this. I can't believe it. You know, and it's it's just so dumb. But these are the lessons learned, right? So every after every wedding that I did, I wrote down pages and pages of lessons learned so that I didn't make those mistakes again. And of course, I made those mistakes again. But the more you do it, the more you learn and you get better and better and better and better. So, uh it was, uh, was. Were there any other wedding planning services on the island at that time, or was that the the first one? Was anybody there, else? Well, no. Sabina was here. Okay. Sabina was here doing weddings. Sabina Tam, and um, she has Sun Dreamers wedding. And at the time, she had some friends that had a catamaran, and so she was she was doing small weddings of you know like. I don't know, up to six people kind of thing, or they would take them on the catamaran and take them out and do a beautiful uh, vow renewal and things like that. I wanted to focus on larger weddings, like big weddings. Okay. So I didn't feel like I was really in uh, competition with her because she was doing smaller and, and I had sat down and talked to her. She also owns a really beautiful apartment complex downtown. It's not a huge one, but like three or four rooms. But she was busy doing other things. So she's like, nah, you know, we're not in competition. You do whatever you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do. It's fine. Well, I was just wondering good. if there was anybody to talk to about the business, you know, um, to kind of no. help you or, or you know. Um, no, because from the beginning, I didn't want – I have a problem with people that are trained to do a job that don't know what the hell they're doing like you go to college and you learn business, but then you go to work and none of that helps you. No, none of it. No. So to me, it doesn't matter what education, I'm not going to go to school to be a wedding planner. I'm going to be a wedding planner based on what I would want if I was the client. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's always been based on what, what do I want as a client? And I'm going to do that. So, uh, you know, I built everything based on that premise. If I was a client, how would I want to be treated? How would I want them to do my wedding? Would I, would I want to have full control or would I want them to give me the advice? Because I've never done a wedding before. Like, right. as a client, you literally need to lean into the professional that's helping you. Right. And I want to be that person to give them the best advice and honest advice like there are some people like I want all these thousands of dollars worth of fabric on the roof and I'm like no you don't why <laughs> you know if you really want it we can spend thousands of dollars on fabric but why why when the value you could do so many other with two thousand dollars you can have fire dancers you could have real fourth of July fireworks show Mm -hmm. You could have a tequila table. You could do a champagne toast and coconuts with rum in them. Like, I know this is all liquor based apparently, but you know, these, <laughs> you could do all these things just for the cost 
of some fabric on the roof. Who cares about some flipping fabric on the roof, right? Like, yeah, yeah. guests aren't going to care about that. No. And so I don't know. So for me, it was just how would I want it if I was getting married? And that's, that's, I didn't, I didn't want to talk to other wedding planners. You know, yeah. I wanted to build it myself. Did you I read guess. any books or anything? I mean, were there, there, there resources available? Or are you really just, just, just were winging it? I, for them, I mean, I picked up a wedding book, like wedding planning books on Barnes and Noble. You could pick those right. up. Um, after the first two years, I want to say, the floors that I had here on the island, uh, they broke up and left. Oh. And I couldn't find anybody else. I tried some of the other people that said that they were florists, and I didn't like their work. So I ended up being the florist for seven years. Oh. So I had to learn very quickly about how to make bouquets and centerpieces and all that stuff and be the coordinator. And at that time, I didn't have any staff. I didn't have anybody to help me. So I did all the office work and accounting and floral stuff and planning and vendor management. I mean, it was, it was nuts. And I was doing by God, I started this in 2002 and I would say by 2007, I was doing 48 weddings a year. Oh, wow. By yourself? And I was, yeah. And I was doing the flowers, which is nuts. Well, and yeah, like how do you keep them alive in the tropics? Yeah. <laughs> really, you only got 24 hours. <laughs> so I spent the morning of the wedding doing flowers. Yeah. And then, yeah, because you couldn't do them the day before. Okay. And I didn't have air conditioning. Right. Yeah. Much less cooler, right? That's what they, they do in the States. They got coolers that yeah. they keep these flowers. Exactly. No. The night... The morning, sometimes the morning of, but usually the night before, I'd go to Cancun, pick up all the flowers, bring them home, put them in water, cut the stems, put them in water, and, and garbage cans. Like I had 15 garbage cans all over my living room, just full of packets of flowers and greenery and whatever. And then in the morning, I'd get to work and I would have to clean it all up and do it all. And uh, once what in a while, I had a friend work on this project too. Was he helping you uh, build flowers? I bet. My son? Yeah. Oh, hell no. He was playing video games in his room. No, he did not appreciate. No? <laughs> he doesn't have slave labor? <laughs> no, he was good at making grilled cheese sandwiches. Like, he fed me. Oh, that's good. Well, that's all. That was his support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, and being a mom and doing all this stuff. Like, it was, it was crazy. I did burn out, for sure. But um, thankfully, I've, I've had some really amazing luck with once I did start to hire coordinators, somebody to help me kind of stuff. I had some really great luck at the time to, to bring in people that brought us up a notch too, that had different ideas, that saw things differently. So that, that you know, as in the 18 years doing this, uh, that has definitely, their input has definitely made changes here and there throughout the process for sure so you got so about for the first five years you said you were just kind of one woman show basically and then, <laughs> right so well that's that's a lot of times that's how it's done you know people better in their bedroom or their garage and they just you know work it and and so 
what what shifted did did you change or you said you you were burned out was it the burnout that kind of said i got to do things a little bit different i would say um there was a pivotal moment where i was doing everything myself for the most part and i had hired a coordinator katie and she was really good at the day of wedding coordinating okay and I kind of, I hired her, I trained her to do day of stuff, and then I left. And she identified that she needed help. So she met Alex, mm-hmm. who is one of the other people that you uh, have on I your podcast. Yes, yes. Oh, I love her, her story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. She met Alex because both of their husbands are musicians. And so all the, you know, musician wives get together and they, so who are you? Where'd you come from? What's going on? So Katie had told me she met this girl, Alex, and she's going to be able to help us with the accounting and the back end stuff. Cause that's what we really needed. Katie was great at the day of and the, the logistics and we just need somebody for the office. Cause I was a mess. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castillito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com www.castellitocaribe.com We look forward to seeing you soon. Integrity Vacation Property Management Trust, Truth, Results From buyer's representative services to rental market analysis, staging, marketing, and full-service property management, achieving your goals is our top priority. Visit our website at www.integrityvpm.com and get our free guide, Self-Manage or Hire, a property owner's checklist of issues to consider. Contact us for a free consultation to see if we can help you maximize the return on your investments. Integrity VPM, raising the bar in vacation property management. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. Here with Tiffany Lanier, how did that next evolution come about? Alex came in and... (laughs) We went through a couple of years of, like, my office was in my house. And at the time, I think I had, like, 10 cats. And it didn't make for a really good working environment. <laughs> like, a big dog and cats. It was chaos. And my son, and we, we went big time. We got an office. And we were able to work there. And I think that's when everything kind of changed. Because once I came out of my you know, stupor, uh, burnout. And I'm like, okay, now I'm recharged. I'm ready to go. 
I sat down and made a whole manual, policies and procedures manual for the company, like in a day. Wow, <laughs> just, good for you. So was, yeah, systems, yeah. baby. That's that's was to the next level. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Alex brought so much to the table when it came down to getting things a little more business-like rather than just in my head. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I made a policies and procedures kind of book and we started being more like a company than, you know, just kind of willy nilly. Fly by to get by. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So now on the other side of it, you know, we're, we're doing probably 25 to 35 weddings a year. They're a lot more uh, advanced now, even though like we're doing less weddings, but we're doing more per wedding because we're also now kind of liaisoning with the hotels as well as doing other events, welcome dinners and golf cart scavenger hunts and snorkel cruises and kind of the one stop shop place. Okay. So we've added on all these other services. However, because of the systems, it isn't more work. Right. It streamlines so much that it just, it's easy. Nice. Now. That's and how we're able to give the service that I really want to give. So I'm super proud of where we are right now. And I definitely, you know, all of the people with, with Katie and even some of the folks that came through and it left not in the greatest of ways, I'm so thankful that they were a part of the process because I learned so much from, from everything that I've gone through in the last 18 years. They all contributed. Yeah. 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 You learn from everything. It's amazing. Yeah. Even my burnout. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, I remember, so we, uh, we've been here for three years now, I just had a little memory come up on my Facebook page from when we sailed from Florida. And I remember, I think that was right around the time when we got first got here, that you took off. I did. And I did. Uh, t tell me how that came about. And, and uh, what what that oh my gosh. impact. Well, so in once I, so going back, I was here for four months. I went back to Minnesota. I worked as a mortgage originator or I worked in a mortgage origination company in Minnesota, which is when everybody's buying and selling houses in the summer, not in the winter. So that worked out great for me to do summers in Minnesota for a few years. Then um, I decided that I need to be here more. So I sold the house and moved here full time. I can't remember what year that was, but a few years into it. And then I had not really traveled anywhere else. I just went back to Minnesota to visit family and or New York to visit family, but I did not do any other traveling. In the meantime, we started the Sisters of Perpetual Disorder group. Yes, right? we want to get to that too. <laughs> <laughs> the Sisters of Perpetual Disorder meets two times a month. One time for coffee, one time for wine. There was in 2011, I believe, or early 2012, we had a sister's meeting. And Alex and I stayed a little bit longer at that meeting, as sometimes we do, to drink the rest of the wine that nobody else drank. Right. And at that, after, 
after meeting, um, you know, people were talking about, oh, when I went to Rome or when I went to Paris or when I went to there and there, and I'm like, I have not been to anywhere. So I couldn't contribute to the conversation. So I'm just sitting there, well, that would have been nice to be in Rome and that must have been a good time. But I couldn't, you know, I had nothing to add. So they're like, what the hell, what's wrong with you? Why don't you, why, why haven't you traveled? I'm like, it's too expensive. And here's Alex, who does my accounting, (laughs) saying, what? You spend $6,000 going to Minnesota and buying clothes you don't need. You can spend that $6,000 going to Europe. And it, you know, what are you thinking? Yeah, you can. Plus her minimalist, um, you know, mentality for traveling on the sailboat. Like, yeah, she's like, what do you mean? It doesn't have to be expensive. Of course. Yeah. You could do this on $5 a day. Of course you could afford this. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, okay, well, I guess Alex is giving me permission to go willy nilly into Europe. So the summer of 2012, I did my first actual travel other than you know before that I was just coming here sure so I went to Europe for 30 days I bought a backpack I made a plan I got a euro pass um I did pretty much all of not all of but I did um I want to say it was six countries and 13 cities in wow. 30 days yeah I stayed I generally that's how I travel that's how I like to travel I I Because my philosophy is go everywhere that you can go while mobility is good. (laughs) Because as I get older, I'm I'm not going to have the mobility anymore. So I'm not going to be able to travel as fast and furious as I can now. Because really, I go into somewhere, I, I eat the food, I stay there, I walk around their park, I find out if I really like it or not and keep moving. And I jot notes about where I want to come back to later on in life. Ah, it's almost like a reconnaissance trip. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And every place I go, it, the question is, could I live here? Is this a place I could live? So I found a few of those throughout my travels. But yeah, 2012 was my big travel trip. And since then, I have traveled every year somewhere else, uh, big travel trips, every single year. So that kind of started this. I don't know if Alex appreciates that now that I'm doing so much more. She opened up a can of worms on that one. But yeah, so now um, I've traveled Europe. We just went back to Europe last year as well and did Spain and Germany, which I will definitely go back to Germany. And, and I have a lot of uh, where I want to go to next. Um, I've done Asia when Alex went over there to Malaysia for a couple of years. Uh-huh. Yep. We, we traveled together for about a month. And then um, I stayed there and, and did some, some workout Muay Thai thing over there, which was super cool. Um, I just... I feel like if I'm not traveling, I'm not being inspired to be better. There's something about travel that fills my soul and teaches me new things. I always learn. I learn about my own patience, about my own limits, as well as outside things. Like I see different lighting and I'm like, ooh, I want that for my weddings. How do I get that? Sure. (laughs) I get inspired by architecture. I just, I don't know. It just, it fills my soul. I can't imagine. It's almost like 
I can't imagine my life without dogs or a dog or an animal in my life. I cannot imagine, like at no point in time will I be in a place that I do not have an animal, a fuzzy thing around me. It's just, it's part of who I am. And travel is the same thing. I don't think that- Isn't that funny? Because, you know, a large, large portion of your life, right? You you didn't Mm -hmm. even know that. Um, It's funny to hear you say that too. Tom's youngest son, Dustin, worked at a restaurant in Orange County, California for a number of years. And the couple, uh, she ran the front of the house, he ran the kitchen. And every year they would shut down for, I believe, a month or maybe two. And they would go to Europe and he would... Uh, cook. Oh, he would take cooking classes and they would, you know, it was vacation, but it was also inspiration for their work and come back with all these new recipes and new dishes and everything. And I just thought that was so cool. I'm like, wow, that's a a great way to keep things fresh and, and keep you interested and inspired in your business um, to be able to, to get that and, and prevent burnout right? Mm-hmm. You, you, you kind of get that. So um, that's awesome. That's, I, I think that's, that's a fabulous idea. Um, if yeah. more people did that, I think um, they'd probably be happier in their businesses, right? Yeah. Well, and thankfully, I kind of fell into this wedding planning thing. And it just so happens that it's the perfect business to have for somebody that likes to travel, because I can work remotely, the majority of the time, it's just during a wedding, I have to be here. To right. be the wedding coordinator. <laughs> sure. But the planning process, I can be anywhere right. and do that. I don't need to be static in one place. So this is the perfect business. Honestly, I couldn't have planned it any better because I did not choose this. It chose me. <laughs> you know, I never right. thought I could be a wedding planner. I wanted to be a mechanic when I was a teenager. Right. And your your education was IT, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's like whew, other end of the spectrum, uh, yeah. dealing with people and high emotions, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the good news is how I was brought up really makes me good at this because I put out fires all the time. And honestly, I, I'm, a, I'm a solution-based kind of person. If somebody comes to me with a problem, I want to solve it. Mm-hmm. So if, if my, and my friends know this, if they just want to release their tension and just bitch about something and just have somebody listen, don't come to me because <laughs> I'm not that person. Right. I'm like, no, 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 you need it. First of all, you need to do this, 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 this. Let me make a list and put bullet points out and actually let me call them for you. Yeah. You like, put your fire hat on and the way you yeah, go. Right? <laughs> it's, it's terrible. But they also know if they want something done, they call me. <laughs> they really want help with something, not just venting. Yeah. That's, that's right. That's right. And I, I love that. Wedding planning is that. Like, it's all solution-based. Like, wh- what's a problem? All right, I'm going right. to fix it. So it's immediately. Well, yeah, you're well-suited for that. Um, yeah. That, that stress. Um, and obviously, you work well under pressure because um, you can't do that business if you if I you do that skill, right? Cool. Um, and so now you, you said you've got the right formula for how many weddings a year that you do. And, and as I recall, I think you said you, um, don't do weddings at at certain times a year. You, you have time blocked. Usually, usually it would be from July 15th to October 15th, because that gives us the, the chance to, to travel, but also 
you know, weddings take a lot of time and energy. Mm-hmm. So there does need to be a, a moment like we can have a wedding, two weddings a week during high season and there's no stopping. It's not like you get Sundays off. Right. It's just, it's, you're on. So you need to build in that, that mental space for yourself. And sometimes that could work because booking is different. Every year is very different. Sometimes our Februarys are super slow. We only have one wedding during that February, which is awesome because that gives us a break. Right. That we can recoup and, and get back into it. So with COVID now, we are opening up summers because of, you know, couples that have postponed. Sure. And we need to open up a couple of dates for them and be accommodating. So for sure. this particular summer, yeah. I'm not necessarily planning any big trips. Um, not this year just because we need to recover financially as well as I've had all this time. (laughs) We've had what two months of recovery time, AKA social isolation. Yes. uh, Which I have been able to do a bunch of projects that I wanted to do and, and kind of get on my own feet. And, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily need that travel this year but I will do a couple of little things. I love Austin, Texas, and I have a bunch of friends there, and I feel really supported there. So it's, what, a $250, $300 round-trip ticket. So Easy, easy travel. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's a, when I need mental uh, inspiration and space and travel, I'll go to Austin. Because honestly, my Lord, Austin has such a great art scene and mm-hmm. food scene. And I definitely always get inspired just going there and hanging out. Ah, kind of a, a comfort place to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. And it's so close by. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we certainly get a lot of visitors from Texas. Awesome. So, um, well, that's that's a great story. And I will definitely include your uh, website um, or whatever links that you want me to include for your wedding planning business. Um, before we wrap up, I I got to hear the story about the sisters and how that all came to be and, and tell people what that is. Um, it's, it's, I love it. I'm a, I'm the consummate networker. I mean, when I would move to new towns, it was, it was always the chamber of commerce, rotary, you know, I, I joined these groups and there's not many to join on Isla Mujeres, but uh, I was fortunate to stumble across the sisters um, shortly after we arrived. And um, I just love that group. That is just, it's just such a wonderful group of women. So yeah, share. It's so years ago, I want to say 2009, but I could be wrong. My mom made a plaque and I want to say it was 2009 was when she figured out when it started. Back in the day on Isla Mujeres, small island, right? So many people because of the way that the island is, it's so safe for, for women solo travelers, right. right? So the same thing for me, I felt super comfortable to move here without any parachute because it was, you know, I never felt uh, threatened or in danger or anything like that here. So we have so many single women here on the island who own businesses or just, you know, live here, hang out in the in the wintertime, especially Minnesotans. Yes. <laughs> come in the winter and then go back home and work in the summer just to come back and live in the winter. So back then there was a lot of uh, younger folks that we knew each other and we kind of networked here and there, but we weren't 
we didn't have any way of an actual formal group of, of women. So there was a, a woman from England who had a boyfriend here, ended up pregnant, had twins, and boyfriend left. So she was a single mother of twins, and she had a really hard time because she was working full time until she got pregnant, and then now she has two, two babies to take care of. And she didn't have support here on the island for diapers, for clothes, for a job anymore. Like, it was really, really hard for her to be by herself without real family. Her mom was here, and that helped her through the, the majority because they all four lived on their mom's pension. Mm. But it was so difficult um, for her, and she really had nowhere to turn to for assistance. And she couldn't afford a babysitter. And she couldn't afford diapers sometimes, so but she didn't feel comfortable reaching out because really Facebook wasn't around. We didn't really have a way to communicate with each other. Right. Um, at the same time, one of our other friends got super sick with the flu and she didn't tell anybody. And by the time we found out that she was really sick, it was a week later and she couldn't get out of bed. And so it's like, oh okay, we need to get her some chicken soup, some medicine. Like we need to, to really get around these people and support them. But how, how can we ensure that other people will have, feel comfortable asking for help? So at the same time, I was reading um, Isabel Allende's second memoir. And in her book, she had a group of ladies called the Sisters of Perpetual Disorder. So I did not come up with the name. Okay, okay. so that's, where, that's was, the origin of it. <laughs> yes, Isabel Allende came up with the name in her second memoir. And so it just became that. I said, you know what? We need to get together and make a group of women here on the island to support each other because there's too many of us that are alone without family, you know? Sure. So that's how it started. And we started meeting twice at the, the woman who had the twins and Bonnie Hamilton were the first to show up at the first wine meeting. And it was just the three of us. <laughs> okay. So really, yeah, it started very small, it, very small. It was just the three of us. We had wine. We talked about whatever was going on. Bonnie was, was getting her yoga degree and now she's like a huge yoga guru here on the Island. And um, she's fantastic. And I just, little by little, more people would come to the meetings. But with Facebook, there's been a way that people don't necessarily have to come to the meetings, but they're supported. There's a place where we can ask each other questions or, uh, yeah, especially with the new folks coming in and they really need more assistance, then we can be there for each other. Um, there was a couple of guys that tried to do a, a guys group because... All yeah. the husbands were bored when their wives were at these meetings. Sure. <laughs> it didn't last very long. So I don't think guys want social. They well, like their I know uh, like Reggie and Pat, they get together for dinner. You know, the snowbirds, uh, the Minnesota yeah. snowbird men um, will have dinner together at the same, same yeah. time. So and that's a great way. I mean, it, I want to say that it was going to try to be a poker club or something. I'm yeah. not really sure, but, um, but the women's group really has taken off and in a beautiful way. And I'm so happy that, you know, people have really 
come to to find it a place of refuge. Like if you need help, if you need advice, if you need anything, just ask us. We're here. And, and that's it. A, re, a huge resource. Um, you know, like, yeah, if, if I don't know, uh, that that's one of the first places I'll go post post mm-hmm. the sisters group. And, you know, yeah. you get this wonderful um, dialogue and, and uh, resources. And I know we had a um, gal um, staying here at the house that couldn't sit on the beach chairs. Isla Rentals had, had dropped off the little beach chairs. Well, she couldn't get down that low and they didn't have those foldable ones, camping. the camping mm-hmm. style. So I just posted on there and, you know, I said, you know, happy to rent one. And, you know, one of the late, actually a couple different people said, I have one, I have one. <laughs> it was just great. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and they were just yeah. so appreciative, you know, that we were able to get that like, like that. I mean, you know, we, For I put sure. it out there and like an hour later we were picking it up. It well, just- and mobility things like crutches, the yeah. walker, you know, if, you never know when you need a pair of crutches and when you need them, it's so hard them. to find down here. Yeah. I, I, I know that it's uh, a really incredible resource and they love it. I mean, I love it. I love going. And then, yeah. you know, even the zooms have been, been fun. Of course, of course we miss the in-person, but um, technology yeah. is just mm-hmm. so wonderful to kind of keep that connection going when we're all housebound. Um, absolutely so yeah we'll we'll get back together somewhat soon whenever we feel you know comfortable and and we might even add a, a zoom portion of it where people can still be a fly on the wall yeah you know well, it's funny you say that yeah I, I um in this this lockdown I've uh reconnected with my friends from the yacht club I used to do Zumba with and they shut down the yacht club so the instructor went online and just this week they're back at the yacht club. So she's taken her computer with her because some of them are snowbirds. So they're not there anyways in the summertime. Right. And so there's half of us are online and half of them are in the room and we're able yeah. to, to join in. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I think, um, I think that probably is a change that will happen in more than just these circumstances now that people are, you know, comfortable with the technology and realize, Oh yeah, I don't have to be physically there to keep that connection. So do want to ask you if there's anything that I didn't ask you about that you would like to, to share any kind of parting words or I guess one thing that, that I do have a question about is, do you do you feel like that sense of void that you had when you were working at the Mayo Clinic and you didn't know what was missing? Do you feel like you know what that is? <laughs> I, you know, it's about being connected. I wasn't connected to my life there. And I am connected here because here I'm doing what I'm passionate about. It makes me happy. My work fills my soul now, you know? with work and traveling and the sisters meetings, you know, the, the sense of community that is here, the, the amount of support that even it's hard to explain, but when you feel at home, you just, you feel supported. You feel like the space allows you to be who you are, you know, not, I don't know why Minnesota just didn't give me that. And I tried, you know, when I, I went back to college a few years ago and I stayed in Minneapolis and I thought, well, you know, when you leave the country, 
you change your views. And at least for me, I'm not the same person I was when I left 18 years ago at all. And it's reverse culture shock when I go back home. And when I spent time in Minneapolis, I thought, well, Minneapolis is liberal enough that I think that I can, I can really feel at home here. Mm-hmm. And I just couldn't. It just didn't have that same feel in my soul, I guess, or in my body that it does here, or even Austin does. Austin gives me that. Hmm. I'm not sure why, but maybe it's, again, that community feel or the inspiration that I feel there. Um, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm surrounded by amazing people in both locations. Here, as well as in Austin, my, my group of people in Austin are just some of the most amazing people I've ever met. And I love being surrounded by that. And I, I get to have that in both places on a social level, but also on a, you know, on a spiritual level, watching sunset or, you know, feeling the breeze in your face. And you're like, you feel close to God, I guess. Mm. Nice. You know? So, yeah, I'm definitely a changed person by, by making the move here. And again, I didn't feel like it was a choice. The choice was how I ended up staying here long because I've never stayed anywhere longer than three years, my whole life, you know? Right. Yeah. You have a history of moving. Mm -hmm. This is the longest I've ever lived anywhere, mainly because I had my, my head wrapped around, okay, I'm going to do this for a year. And if it doesn't work out this year, then I can, I always had a place I could go to. You know, I could always go back to Minnesota. I could always go to my dad's. I could always, you know, find somebody's couch to sleep on if I, if I failed, per se, or if I just, it didn't work out. I never felt that I didn't have a parachute, per se. I knew that I could go somewhere. Even if it's a place I, I didn't want to go, my brother's couch or something. Right. But I, I could. So, therefore, it gave me... I guess a little bit more power or, or faith that I could do this. I can do anything for a year. I'm going to do this for a year. And then a year went by and then I said, yeah, I can do this for another year. And then a year went by. (laughs) Right. Another year went by. And now I don't think about that. Now this is my home and I don't think of it in short term little increments anymore but I think that's how I got through the early parts Mm -hmm. because it wasn't a a lifetime commitment right it was for now right you know and so now it's here and and if something were to happen I have no doubt in my mind that I could pick up my four cats and two dogs now and move to Croatia or move to Austin or move like I could go anywhere else because it's not scary anymore. Right. You know, that's, I that's really powerful. I, cause I think that that's true. When people think about making a move like this, they're like, Oh, this is like, it's forever. And yeah. it's only forever. Yeah. If you want it to be, it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be. Yeah. You can always recreate yourself anywhere you go and it's not changing who you are. It's just starting again. Mm-hmm. It's okay. You know, if you sell all of your beautiful, I still have a, a, um, a storage unit in Minnesota 
And in that storage unit, I have some heirloom furniture. I have a box of my son's baby clothes and all of my photo albums from back in the day. And I will pay for that storage unit until I die. But because that's important to me, that's part of my budget each year is that storage because having that little corner of the world have my history, it doesn't have to stay with me. It can just sit in storage and I'm okay with that. Right. So it's just going to sit there until who knows when. (laughs) It makes me feel good that it's there. So you don't have to get rid of everything you loved in life. Good point. I mean, we we have the same. We still have, we shrunk it by half um, after, you know, a year. But, uh, but yeah, it's still there. And um, I told Tom actually this, this last couple of days, I said, we should go through and, and go through it again. Because, yeah. you know, I know there's things in there that, that I'm ready to part with when you go, you don't know. And, exactly. and so, you know, Absolutely. initially it was like 10 by 10. Now it's five by 10. The next one, it'll probably go five mm-hmm. by five, you know, and yeah. you just, you, your life um, evolves and things that are, were important to you once are, are no longer important to you. And, and exactly. yes, we've got the boxes of heirlooms and picture albums and all that stuff. And no, I don't want to part with it. And no, I don't think I want to bring it here either. So yeah, that's, that's not a choice that you have to make. Um, no, no people think that, well, if I'm going to move that far away, then I have to change everything. But you don't really, like, it's okay. No. Do it, do it the way that's comfortable to, to you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for, for sharing your story. And um, I, there's just so many pearls of wisdom in, in what you had to say today. And I think um, you will definitely inspire uh, some other folks um, with your story. So maybe in 10 years, we'll do it again and I'll have more stuff. <laughs> Now well, I've started this art thing and I'm... I know. Yeah, we didn't even really get to that, but I will, um, I'll, inc- I'll try to include that in the, the um, cover so we can uh, show you, showcase your, your COVID um, artist creations. My um, COVID art collection, yes. <laughs> beginning of the, the next chapter. But uh, yeah. thank you. I want to say publicly too, thank you so much for what you do with um, the sisters and you're really... Uh, a pillar of the community with that group. And I know everybody really appreciates everything you do to try to keep the uh, disordered orderly. So (laughs) (laughs) it's always order in the disorder. Perfectly fine. No, I love it. I really do. I love, I love the group of women and I love how, how supportive they all are. It's really great. Pretty special group. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Well, I'll go ahead and end it here and um, you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit www.overseasliferedesign.com. We'd also love for you to become part of our OLR community on Facebook. Thank you for listening.